Well, uh, good morning, everybody. No my hearty my. Welcome. Welcome to church this morning. This morning, we're continuing our series, It's a Trap. And I, I wonder if anybody uh, would agree with me that technology can be a bit of a pain at times. Those cell phones. Anyone long for the day, that era where you couldn't be contacted and that was okay? That you didn't have to be available 24 hours a day, every moment of the day? There is a thing called airplane mode, and it's a good thing, and we can turn it off um, if we need to. But uh, one of the things that frustrates me with technology is when I'm sitting in a face-to-face meeting with somebody, you know, we've, we've called the meeting, they've called it with me, or I've called it with them, we're sitting together, we're having this corridor, we're having a conversation, and then their phone rings. Now, if it's a pre, you know, predetermined phone call, hey, my wife might be calling, or I've got an emergency, or I'm waiting for this particular phone call, no problem. But they say, oh, it's an unknown number. It's like, oh, I don't know who this is. And they, they said, do you mind if I get it? I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. Because you're just telling me that my conversation is not as important as the one that you don't even know is on the other side. If that's you, I'm speaking to you. Okay, don't be that person. Don't be that person. How about those phone calls when they come at exactly the wrong time and then you forgot to take off that really annoying, um, embarrassing 80s ringtone? Come on, there was a, that, that laugh came too quick, all right? Somebody, somebody's got that on their phone. And just the other day, I mean, I tried to call Steve Green, but I couldn't get through to him. Maybe he was filming or something. Uh, if you're in last week's service, no, it wasn't me. If you're in last week's service, he's in the middle of filming his message, and his, his someone on his iPhone is calling him, and he's like, come on, come on, can't turn this off. But a while back, I had a guy from a company call me. He called me, he says, I, I, you know, I'd like you to consider making this change or this shift. And, and I said, look, thank you, appreciate it, but uh, no, very happy. No, um, oh, no, no, yeah, as no as politely and as I could be. Two weeks later, calls again, just wondering if you've changed your mind. Not since two weeks ago. Two weeks after that, hey, just want to see if anything's changed. I'm like, no, it hasn't. Still, the answer is no, to the point where I ended up just ignoring and not taking those calls. But you know what? There is another caller that keeps calling, frustrated at this call, wants to talk to me about my past years ago, even just last week. I wonder if anyone gets the same caller on their dial. I wonder if anyone has condemnation calling. My question is, are we going to hit accept or decline? Because too often I accept that call and go, go on, speak to me. Speak to me about my past. I'm going to listen. I'm going to believe what you got to say. I believe it's time for us to hit decline. I'm not accepting that call anymore. This series, It's a Trap, is based out of a passage in Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read the first verse and I will close with the last or the next two verses that flow on after this. Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We've got a race to run. God has marked it out for us, and we've got a purpose. We've got to run towards without straying left or right. Would you pray with me this morning as we get into this, this word of condemnation? What does it mean and how does it affect us as human beings? Father, we thank you. Thank you that we are your children. Thank you that you look at us, uh, not judging us, not 
um, telling us off, but you welcome us into a walk of righteousness with you. Lord, help us to discover where that righteousness comes from and how we can live and, and, and breathe and um, exist within the freedom of your righteousness. God, thank you for your word today. Speak to our hearts. Shift us, change us, mold us into the people you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last week, Steve shared a great message on escaping the trap or getting, getting out of the trap of sin. Uh, dealing with a sin that so easily entangles us. And a couple of things really jumped out at me. One of them was sometimes we've got to cut off those things that cause temptation, cause us to, from sin just to become, a, or temptation to go from just a thought into an action. Well, sometimes we've got to get rid of those things or those friendships or those relationships that are causing us to go backwards rather than advancing into the things of God. He also talked about that we need to find the, the lie that we're believing or we're hearing and we're believing and, and, and replace it with the truth. When Jesus was talking with Pilate, he says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Truth isn't always easy to hear at times. Sometimes it's actually quite painful. But when we accept and we embrace the truth, the truth helps us find freedom. So this message is kind of a continuing on from Steve's message because sin leads us to the possibility of condemnation. If the sin in our life is not dealt with, if we don't process it in our hearts and in our minds, we can find condemnation calling, saying, hey, Mike, I got you, got you again. So let's continue our conversation on sin. 1 John 3 verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. A sin has also been described, a commentary I was reading during the week says, an act of offense against God by despising his persons and Christian biblical law and by injuring others. Now, sin opposes God's desire for us as human beings, which is to love him first with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others. Sin gets in the way and destroys those relationships. To help us get free from the trap of condemnation this morning, I want to journey through some of the chapters of Romans leading up to one of the greatest pieces of literature, sentences ever written, I believe, in the New Testament. Paul, in his letter to the people of Rome, he gives a detailed description of sin and its effect on human beings. You know, the book of Romans, some would say, would have been the foundational teaching that Paul would have taken as he planted and, and grew churches. As people were trying to understand the, the doctrine of salvation and the understanding of what it meant to be a, a follower of Jesus, he would have said, this is the content you need to cover. This is 101 Christianity. And so we, we get the privilege of reading the letter that he would have written to this early church. The significance of Roman was confirmed, uh, Romans was confirmed by Augustine, a fourth century philosopher. This is what he said. The most, the, Romans is the most basic most comprehensive statement of true Christianity. Romans tackles the sinful nature of mankind and then talks about the justification by faith. What is justification? It's a gift from God when he looks at my life through Jesus. When he looks at my life through Jesus, it's just as if justified, just as if I'd never sinned. What an incredible gift that we're given for our lives, our sin, 
to be justified just as if I'd never sinned. So in chapter 1, Paul tackles the issue of sin and idolatry where, where, where man was creating these images and worshiping these images rather than worshiping God. There was shameful sin, including sexual depravity, greed, hate, envy, murder, malicious behavior, gossip. Does that sound like our world today? And because of this, the Bible says God gave us over to that sin. See, we are the ones who can choose our destiny. We can choose what we do. We can choose how we respond. We can choose whether we love God or reject God. This beautiful gift of choice allows us to choose Him as He chooses us. Then in verse 17, Paul gives us a picture of what the good news means for us as humans. He says, For in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from, you've got to hear this, first to last. If we think we have anything to do with our righteousness or being right in the sight of God, Paul's just told us it begins first and last the righteous will live by faith. So he's saying righteousness, being right with God, happens by faith. Paul then in chapter 2, he speaks to the Jewish people and he says, don't get too confident. Don't get all high and mighty. Don't think that because you're the Jewish people that, that you're escaping this. Because you do the very thing that you say you shouldn't do. You say don't commit adultery, but actually you're committing adultery. Don't gossip, but you're gossiping. He's saying the very problem that you think you're, you're over and you're, you, it doesn't apply to you, actually, under the law, you're still guilty. The Jewish people, the, the nation of Israel, God said He would bless, He would protect, and we should pray for Israel. We should bless Israel. But when it comes to the law, the law can still destroy anyone who does not follow it. Chapter 3 addresses the difference between God and man. Let me sum it up. <laughs> we are imperfect. God is perfect. We are unfaithful. He is faithful. And in that, His grace and His love is extended to us. Romans 3.10, couldn't say it much clearer than this. What, what, you know, who is sinner? You know, who, who sins? You know, who is it? Well, there is no one righteous and just in case that wasn't clear enough, it says not even one. There is none righteous, not even one. Ah, so does that mean we all qualify as sinners? So that's the bad news. It's like, this isn't going as well as I thought this morning, Mike. I thought you'd be encouraging us. I am. Because we've got to get a grasp on how devastating sin is in our lives. We, we don't want to flirt with this. We don't, want to, we don't want to tiptoe around it. And there is an answer to sin. And his name is Jesus. The righteousness that we can have being right with God is only in our relationship with him. Chapter 4, it talks about the faith of Abraham, that God considered his righteousness, righteousness that was not just for Abraham, but for anyone who would believe. Abraham believed in faith in God. And we can have that same righteousness. And that was credited as righteousness. It was put in his bank account. This man's got faith. It's credited as righteousness. We can have that same credit to our bank account when we have faith in God. In Romans chapter 5, it shares a beautiful truth in Romans 5 verse 8 where it says, while we were still sinners, 
God demonstrated his own love for us, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Meaning my sin, devastating sin in my life. Christ said, I'll die for you, Mike. I'll go to the cross for your sin so that you can be made right with God. That right there is an incredible gift. That's the good news right there. And this is where the legal impact of sin hits home. Because sin entered the human race through one man. So the only way to deal with that sin legally is through another man. We read this in verse 17 of chapter 5. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and His gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death. I'm going to read that again because I'm not sure if anyone caught that. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death. I'm going to read it again because I'm not sure if anyone actually got that this morning. Because if you receive it, you will live in triumph over sin and death through one man, Jesus Christ. This is the good news. This is what we can celebrate. Anyone else wrestle with sin? Constant battle. I was like, ha, yes, absolutely. But there is an answer. Chapter 6 and 7, uh, kind of, Paul tackles the argument. I think he probably was having the conversation even with himself, wrestling internally with, with, with this whole battle of sin. You know, there was this argument saying, well, if, if grace is there for my sin, why don't I just sin big? I mean, seriously, if I'm going to sin, I might as well sin properly. More sin, more grace, right? Wrong. Paul's response is, no, no. No, don't think that way. He says, when we live in Christ, it means we have also died in Christ. Therefore, we have died to sin and the power of sin that rules over us. And then he goes on and he brings this beautiful parallel between baptism and the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. See, baptism is something we believe in, that we, we give our, our lives to Christ in a, in a prayer of faith, a prayer of confession, a repentance, a turning from our sin. But then there's a public moment. I, I, I call it the, 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 well, I've heard it said, the public declaration of an inward decision. So it's me saying to the world, I am fully following Jesus. Have a look. Check me out. Check Jesus out. And as we go into the water, this is why we believe in full immersion, because I don't want any of the old coming back up, right? Come on, I don't even want the fringe. Full immersion, come on, right down, symbolizes the death to ourselves, our sinful nature. We don't hold down people, people down for too long. But there is that moment of just in, and then as we raise them out of death into life, resurrected life, and we don't come up as an improved version or a washed version or a a slightly changed or adjusted version. We come up as a brand new product. We come up as a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. So we can identify with Jesus because He is then raised to life. He ascended into heaven and is seated in heavenly places. Guess what? We have that place as well in Christ Jesus. 
Romans 6.14, sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer subject to the law which enslaves you to sin. Instead, here's some good news, you are free by God's grace. You are free by God's grace. And then in light of this glorious struggle, or this glorious news, Paul talks about a struggle that might be your struggle too. This is my struggle. I'll see if you can agree with me. In this life, I am incapable of achieving sinless perfection. I will sin probably before the end of the day. There's a high likelihood I will do something that will grieve the heart of God. A word I say, an anger, a doubt. God, can you even? You know, it's somewhere in my response. I'm not going to get it right. So, so let me just see if I'm preaching to a crowd that can kind of identify with me or whether I'm just, it's just my problem. True or false? I just want you to answer true or false. And, and you can get loud if you like, if you're, if you're okay with this. Verse 14. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. Okay, verse 15. Good, good. You're getting this. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. A bit of a... But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Hmm? True, true. And I know, verse 18, that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. We've got some honest people here. Verse 19, I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong but I do it anyway. <laughs> is Paul reading our mail? I mean, is, is, is he just kind of looking straight into our hearts and going, this is my problem. Is this your problem too? This is tough. It's like, where's the good news? I've been sharing it. The good news is that our sin, there is an answer for our sin. Sin means literally to miss the mark. The, the, the picture that, that's within this word is that the, the bow would be drawn back with the arrow and shot towards the target, and the arrow misses the mark. That's what sin is. God sets us up to follow Him. He sets a path for us, but our sin misses the mark. We miss the mark. I want to be that arrow that flies straight and true. But you know what? It's the Holy Spirit that guides us. It's relationship with Jesus that guides us towards the target, the path that's marked out for us. Let's hit the mark. Verse 20 carries on, but if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. And then I love the statement, oh, what a miserable man I am. You can hear it. You can hear it in his voice. Paul said, oh, oh, I'm a miserable man. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Can anyone else identify with sin's dilemma? And if you're like me, some of your phones might be buzzing. Hello? Hello? You remember that time when you call yourself a pastor, Mike? 
The way you talked to your wife and your kids the other day, shame on you. You know that thing you said you'd never do and you did it? Gotcha. Condemnation's calling. And we're taking the phone call. It's like, hello? Hello? Who is this? It's condemnation calling. I want to tell you that you failed yet again. And boom, our heart sinks. And we don't respond to it the way we should. And condemnation takes us further and further away from God. Away from the mark. Away from the path that he set for us. So how do we deal with this thing called condemnation? How do we cast off, cast aside, throw off that weight that so easily entangles us? A couple of things, and you'll be surprised, probably not surprised, they're quite simple things, but the full commitment. Here we go. There's a team come this morning. Accept Jesus' help. All right, can I speak to the men just for a minute? Just, just the men. Ladies, you can listen in, but men, we've got a problem. We don't like, we don't like asking for help. Instructions, who needs them? We would prefer to drive aimlessly, trying to discover that location. We could stop and ask for directions, but we won't do that because we are men. That's not what a man is. A man is one that says, you know what? I need help. Where are my mates? Where's my helpmate? Where's my friend? I need some help right now because I'm not doing so well. I need my wife to pray for me. I need my kids to pray for me. I need to go and confess my sins to a friend because I'm caught up in this condemnation and I am sick to death of it and I want freedom. And you know what, ladies? If that applies to you, you can take a bit of that as well. But I think, men, we've got to get past that. We've got to get past trying to prove that we've got it all together because the moment we realize we don't and we're quite happy to admit it, that's a very safe and free place to be. And I watch and I see men who go, you know what, I messed up. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Now let's go take that battle. Let's not spend any time wallowing in our sorrow and in this condemnation, let's stop taking the call. I think for some of us, we need to say, I'm declining the call. Why? Because I'm in a permanent meeting with Jesus and I'm not planning on coming out of this meeting. I think we've got to just hang up and say, no, no more. Because it's been dealt with through Jesus. And we live in a constant state of repentance and surrender to God. We ask for His help. Romans 7, 25. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. (laughs) So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. My second thought. First is to accept Jesus' help. Secondly, remain close to Jesus. You ready for one of the most freeing sentences in human literature? Chapter 8, verse 1. So now, there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I'm declining that call. I'm not picking that phone up anymore because I am staying close to Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I'm going to read that again because I'm not sure if you heard me on that one. Because you longed... To Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has 
freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Come on, there is freedom on the other side of condemnation. Freedom is possible. Freedom from the power of sin and death. And the key is in our legal representation. See, if I stand alone in a court of law, I have to defend my actions. Guess what? I'd have to say I'm guilty. Guilty as charged. I've lied. I've got angry. I've had lustful thoughts. I've eaten too much. Gluttony is a sin. Come on. I would stand before the judge and be judged guilty. But because I've got great legal representation, as I'm standing there on the dock, Jesus steps in and says, "Uh uh-uh, I got this covered. That accusation you have against Mike, I paid for that. That prison sentence you wanted to give him, done, dealt with, fully covered, fully covered. What can wash away our sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When Jesus went to the cross, every sin, past, present, and future, Jesus dealt with it. And all we have to do is remain close to Him in a constant state of surrender. Come on, if we're wrong, let's just take, take ownership on it. I'm sorry, I was wrong. Please forgive me. Let's live in that constant state in our relationship. Let's not let pride get in and feel like we've, we've got to win a battle that we don't need to win. And condemnation, when it calls, it's just like, I'm not even taking that call. I'm in a permanent meeting with Jesus. In Christ Jesus means that for the purpose of divine judgment, we do not stand before God alone but with the righteousness of God Himself. So every time you read in the New Testament, in Christ Jesus, we stand in His righteousness. That is the gift of righteousness. That is the gift that God has given us. So when condemnation comes, and that phone starts buzzing again today, what about, what about, what about that time when, what about? This is how I'm responding. Devil, It is written. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Devil, it's written. The Word of God says, if I confess my sin, if we confess our sins one to another, we pray for one another, we will receive healing. It is written. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Come on, we need to have the Word of God, not just in our hands or on our digital device, but we need to have it in our hearts. I have hidden your Word in my heart so I will not sin against you. So that when the enemy comes with his condemnation, we just respond just like Jesus did with the Word of God. We just simply say, there it is. You know, when the woman caught in the act of adultery stood before Jesus, the only one who by law could stone her, Jesus said, anyone? Anyone capable of stoning her? Anyone capable of fulfilling the law? No. Does anyone condemn you? No, she says. Neither do I. Now go and sin no more. I I just know. You just know that that woman would have just given up everything and followed Jesus. Man, she would have been one of those ones walking, following Him down the road for the rest of her life. You just know that 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 was a conviction, not a condemnation. Something in her said, I've got to respond to that. And I want to talk about the difference between condemnation and conviction. See, condemnation keeps me far from God. Conviction brings me close to God. 
See, condemnation makes me want to run away and hide. But conviction says, I want to deal with this because I want to get close to God again. And some of us today, we're, we're just processing that in our minds and in our hearts. We're wondering. But in your heart, you're saying, I want to be close to God. I've never felt close to Him or I feel like I've always had that distance between me. That is a conviction. And there's things that have been highlighted in your mind and you're thinking about those things that you did, those things that you said, those, those things that you know you did wrong. That is the Holy Spirit convicting you of that sin. And He's asking you just simply to respond, to say, God, I surrender. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I need your grace today. Friends, if you would pray a simple prayer like that in just a moment, you will receive forgiveness for your sins. You will have hope for today, future. I want to give that opportunity. But I want to read the verses 2 and 3 that come out of Hebrews chapter 12. We started this morning with that, with that verse in verse 1. Let's throw off that weight that so easily entangles us. But then it goes, verse 2, it says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, stay close to Him, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, He endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's encouragement for us today. He wants to draw us closer to Him and conviction will do that. And maybe that's you today. God is just convicting you of some things in your life. Surrender them to God in this moment. Allow Him to forgive you. And let's get back on track. Let's, let's, let's hit the mark. Let's run the race set out for us. So would you pray with me this morning? And maybe you want to pray a prayer of surrender to God, asking Him to forgive you, turning from your sin and following Him. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your love for me. Thank you that you did not leave me in my sin. But you sent Jesus to die on the cross and to take a punishment that I deserved. I turn from my old ways. I ask you to forgive me. And I receive your gift of forgiveness and grace today. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, Maybe coming back to God, you know something just, there was a transaction that took place there in your heart. You gave over your stuff and you received God's forgiveness today. We want to connect with you. We would love to help you take your next step on the journey. So wherever you are, no one's looking around, just a couple of people spotting your hand. On the count of three, I want you to just raise your hand, just straight up. I'll see your hand. I can pop it straight back down again. Come on, one. God loves you. Two. That's awesome, mate. Three. Anyone? Awesome. So good. Praise God. Anyone? You can pop your hand down. Thank you, sir. Amazing. Anyone else this morning? Pray that prayer. Asking God to forgive. Receive His righteousness. Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Amen. Awesome. Awesome.